Hello, credit union executives. Welcome to See You on the Show, where we give you up-to-date information on how you can reduce risk, keep key talent, and take a strategic approach to your personal financial wellness. Hosted by me, Doug English, a certified financial planner and former credit union insider with ACT Advisors. My guest today is Judy Tharp. Judy is a retired credit union CEO with more than 40 years of experience working with credit unions. Uniquely, Judy began her career at age 22 as the CEO of a startup credit union. In this episode, Judy shares her experience as a woman leader in the credit union movement and discusses the importance of career goals and thinking outside the box, dealing with gender bias in the workplace, and using empathy when dealing with your board. Hi, Judy. Hi, Doug. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so glad you're here today. So we want to hear about how you got into the credit union movement and your emotional connection to credit unions and family history and just kind of what got you started uh, in the movement. And then tell us about your, uh, your progression through uh, your career. Okay. Um, Thank you, Doug. So I guess one of the most unique factors about my career is that I became a CEO of a credit union in a startup situation when I was 22 years old. So that's pretty unique. And to be honest, I probably just got lucky, but felt like I made a really good decision because I spent 40 years in credit unions and uh, enjoyed all of my experiences But I do feel like my childhood, where I grew up in a family business, was an important part of my success. My parents really taught me how to run a small business such that when I finished high school, I knew how to run a business. I knew how to keep books, to type, to keep inventory, to collect bills, and um, customer service. So that's kind of the environment I grew up in. We, We were open six days a week from seven in the morning till eight, nine, such at night. Wow. So we worked really hard, my brother and I, in the business. At the end of the day, we learned a lot. When I graduated high school, I wanted a business degree because I knew I had the experience in running a business, but I needed a a solid education to go along with it. And I wanted to finish as quickly as I could so I could get married and marry the wonderful Wayne that I adored even even then. So I went to UNC Wilmington and got my uh, bachelor's degree in uh, business administration with a concentration in management in three years. Two. Yep. So got her done, uh, got married, and got lucky with my first job, my first real job. I had a, a few jobs through the summers and that kind of thing. But I had a really good opportunity for starting a credit union. And I read about this through an ad in the newspaper. I didn't really know much about credit unions, really like nothing at all, but I learned quickly. So from the very inception, like there was, you were there from the very beginning, the initial board of directors, the founding of the the first branch, like everything. Yes. The way it worked is the company This was the DuPont Credit Union, and the company actually had formed the board. So at the point that I was hired, there was a board, but that was about it. So yeah, it was a startup, and 
when I started college, I thought I wanted to major in accounting for some reason, probably because I knew a lot about that. And it's exciting. No, it wasn't. That's why I changed my major. But I had a lot of strong accounting, which really helped when starting the credit union. So then I was there for 15 years. So I would say that I birthed it and I brought it to adolescence. But I knew that my goal was to become a CEO of a much larger credit union. And I could not do that in Wilmington, North Carolina, small town. So I knew I had to move on. So I had a plan. And that plan was to get some experience in larger credit unions and then move on to toward my goal of becoming a CEO of a large credit union. So I did that. Sometimes you have to step back to step forward. Mm -hmm. So I actually stepped back as CEO to join larger credit union in a non-CEO role, which is very hard because you give up control. Um, But man, did I learn a lot. And I knew that that was the part of my plan. So you went from being in charge of the for 15 years of the credit union that you were a part of starting. And then you went into a a senior role at a much larger credit union and kind of learned the the challenges of scale and complexity, right? Well, there are challenges in all credit unions, large, small, medium. The challenges, honestly, there's a lot of similarity in the challenges. Because I think if you really understand the why of why credit unions exist, the challenges, the problems are very similar. It's just on a larger scale. But I had the opportunity in two large credit unions to really contribute and learn. And those two credit unions had very different cultures. So I don't really feel that I could have had a better career path. And then after working five, six years in both of those, I moved on to the world's largest financial products and services company, CUNA Mutual Group for credit unions. And that also was a wonderful experience. I entered the company at a time of extreme uh, transition. So I learned $20 billion company strategies. And I was a part of making some really big changes in the company and leadership roles for those changes. So I learned a lot there too. And eventually I landed as CEO of Piedmont Advantage Credit Union back in North Carolina, where my roots are, and was there for 13 years. So you put all that together, Doug, and it's a 40-year career that I wouldn't trade for anything. The first takeaway for our listeners that you already said is, is don't be afraid to step back while keeping your eyes on, on your eventual goal going forward. I mean, You want to expand on that from here? I would expand to say stepping back and step forward, certainly, but also being goal focused. My experience was that things don't just drop in your lap from a career perspective, or at least that was not my case. So I think if you don't have career goals, it's going to be very, very hard to get where you want to be. And particularly for women, because I think women have still family obligations that seem to be more heavy for females than males, which makes it a little more difficult to be goal-focused, but all the more reason why you should in order to get where you want to be. Do you think back to, you know, going from, again, the the lead role to number two for a while and then into the huge uh, company of Kina Mutual, so you really had a lot of different cultural experiences. And 
when you look back on those and think about, all right, you went through this step, this step, and you ended up at the goal. You ended up as the CEO. When you reflect on that path, you know, what would you say to people figuring out their path? You really went in a, in a variety of different directions. Any takeaways about kind of how that played out and what you would say to Judy 20 years in the past? For Judy, I would not change my progression. For a lot of people, though, that would probably not work because of the patience that's required (laughs) to go from being in charge to working through all the learnings and looking at it as growth and development rather than frustration that I'm not the boss anymore. That probably would not work for a lot of people. And the other thing is I have, as you know, Doug, a huge, biggest fan in the world support mechanism. And that is my husband, Wayne. That's so important, especially with a a woman, because like I say, there's usually additional family obligations. And Wayne has been not only willing to move with me as I moved around and progressed my career, but He's been my biggest fan toward helping, quite honestly, others to understand the situation. I mean, it's just kind of uh, sad that a lot of couples and families struggle with the female being the breadwinner, being one who has to make the changes for the career. And Wayne certainly is the role model for how to do that and do that well. And so now, 40 years later, we're supposed to be enjoying retirement after we, but we feel like we both have worked toward this goal because it does take a support group, whether that's one husband or a whole family to get you through the tough changes that you have to make along your career path. The spouse's career is is pretty important too, right? That they can have a, maybe in the post-COVID world that we're living in now, it could be more possible for the spouse to physically move around but maintain the same job. I imagine for a lot of families, just where you have to be for some jobs just doesn't fit with the need to move around and around and around. And you hear people needing to do that to climb the corporate ladder, and that's effectively what you did, but just through a variety of different organizations. So I can see how that would be really hard for families. Yes. And obviously, you know, with women traditionally having the dominant role in uh, the home, that that's probably a bigger challenge. So one of the takeaways I've already heard is that so for women, it's even more important to identify your goal and to not lose sight of that. So you make those decisions in light of that goal, right? Yes. I I, uh, recently spoke to the Women's Global Leadership Group in North Carolina and I'll never forget this. I was on a panel with some other female CEOs, and someone in the audience said to us that this was a a young mother trying to progress her career in a very large credit union in North Carolina. And she said to me, I can't help but notice that two of the three CEOs on the panel do not have children. And it's interesting to me that as someone who does have a family, it seems a whole lot easier for you all to do what you did than for me to do what I'm trying to do. So do you have some advice for me? And it just, I mean, you can imagine that was kind of like a a gut punch. Yeah. Because there's some truth to that. 
But here's the key, and here's the advice I gave her. I think that women particularly have to think out of the box on how to accomplish those goals. So like in my case, I could have said after staying at Cape Fear Employees Credit Union for 15 years and birthing that baby, I could have said, you know what, I'm stuck because I'm in a small town. I'll never be able to work for a large credit union because there aren't any here. And there's never going to be because we're a tourist economy. But I didn't take that attitude. I had to think out of the box to think, how can I get there? Number one, I got to step back as a CEO. Number two, I've got to move and I've never lived anywhere else. Number three, my husband's got to change his career. So I think women particularly have to get out of the box and think about how do I solve that problem? So my advice to her was think, okay, I've got this childcare burden, but I want to become, I have career goals. How do I mix the two? So I have friends who were female CEOs um, and the way they got through that was with nannies. And so there are ways to work around the childcare situation, but it takes compromise from a spouse and kind of, I always called it, it taking a village because you can't do it alone. And so there's a lot of personal dynamics within the family unit that have to be finessed to make that work. But there are ways around it. You just have to think differently than the way you think every day that I'm stuck. Right on. Well, and, and you know, it's interesting. I've, I've seen uh, executives in other industries actually take not only just the spouse and have uh, he or she be able to move around and be flexible, but I've seen them go a generation up yes. and take either his parents or her parents or their parents with them as they move right. to different locations in the, in the country and they provide some of that uh, daycare. I mean, an unusual and maybe difficult situation that, but I've seen it in the, in the small amount of folks that I know and connect with. So it's possible. And it's the definition of outside the box, right? Out of the box. Yep. That touches directly on our focus for today, which is the challenges of leadership as a woman in the credit union movement. One of my earliest realizations of Honestly, it's kind of a man's world and particularly back then. And so when I was interviewing for the opportunity to start this financial institution, the, the board had absolutely no knowledge of a financial institution and no knowledge of how to interview and the laws associated with such. So I was asked what my childbearing intentions were. At the age of 22. Yeah, back in those days. And honestly, maybe even more so in the middle of my career, I would be asked by members and community folks who would call to the credit union and ask for a problem to be escalated to the top. They would get me. And quite often, when I was unable to satisfy people, they would ask for the man in charge. And Doug, my approach with all of this bias in the workplace has been to be firm, but kind of an evolutionary approach rather than a revolutionary approach. So my response when I would hear that, again, another kind of zinger, mm -hmm. but my response was, was always very firm, but not defensive. You're speaking to her. Right on, Judy. Yeah, so I, I kind of <laughs> hope to leave a lesson, but not one that was offensive to the person. I'll end with one which a lot of women struggle with, and that's the pay, the notion of accepting lower pay. 
and particularly in credit unions, because we're kind of unique in that a lot of women, our CEOs of credit unions, started at the bottom of the organization, worked their way up, never worked anywhere else, and are willing to accept lower pay. When I started the credit union, the board said to me that their expectation was that I worked my tail off for little money. And they were so right about that. But I accepted it. And that's exactly what happened. I kind of felt that a man probably wouldn't accept the low pay. I kind of saw it as a long-term opportunity that I thought would pay off, and it did. So one might argue that I was complicit in allowing this kind of thing to go on. But it's just another example of how women do have to kind of go that extra mile and be a little more assertive with pursuing the money because it's so easy, particularly in credit unions, to just kind of grow up in the system and you end up with less pay than a male CEO because you've kind of just evolved. And so that is a challenge that I've seen along the way that I had to to deal with. And I would encourage women to take that on because there there is bias and still is. This is not uh, an old habit. It's still there. So that's the perfect transition into talking about how to bring up executive benefits with your board. But tell me about any any stories to do with uh, that experience. Yeah, so I have always tried to use empathy in my credit union work because our members are owners. So that calls for a unique perspective on walking in their shoes because they are, in fact, the owners of our business. And so in in thinking about the board and going into discussion on executive benefits, I try to walk in their shoes. And their shoes are that most board members do not have the type of experience that is usually associated with executive benefits. So I approached it as a learning opportunity for them or a teaching opportunity for me, as well as me understanding where they're coming from, because oftentimes they don't have benefits of this type and never have. Mm -hmm. So them understanding is very important to supporting. And there are so many resources available to a credit union CEO to help educate the board on these types of things, as well as the talent marketplace. So the way I approached it was with data, sharing with them a lot of data on uh, both of those things. And first off, I would say that related to the why of executive benefits, retention of senior staff is greatly enhanced with executive benefits. And certainly My experience in credit union land is that I've always been in cities and towns where there were lots of credit unions, lots of good credit unions. So employees had choices for where they would work. And at least in in a couple of instances, we our employees played, you know, fruit basket turnover with credit unions because there were so many good options for moving around town. So you really need to be pretty on top of the environment around you in credit union executive world. So knowing that you can perhaps enhance employees or encourage employees to stay with you through having some retention around executive benefits is smart. 
is smart on the credit union's part. And I made the point that this is not really about me. It's about the company as it relates to retention. And the other thing is, in at least in my case, our board knew that they were going to be uh, looking outside for a replacement. And in that situation, if, if our credit union didn't have an executive benefits plan, we'd be at a huge disadvantage in the marketplace. So quite often, I've known credit unions where they wouldn't have a plan and they would make a promise, a commitment to a potential candidate that they would add these benefits once they come on board. And in today's world, that just doesn't fly because they're back to the stepping back, the step forward. That's really hard to do in today's world. And uh, there aren't a whole lot of people who are going to kind of live on that promise so those are probably the two the two biggies that I felt like were important, educating the board and knowing the talent marketplace around you to be able to get the buy-in to move forward. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Think about what's going on in credit unions today and, uh, and sort of where you see the industry going in the future. So I am still, even in my retirement, such a huge fan of what credit unions do for people. That's what kept me going for 40 years, and it still keeps me going today because that is the why of why credit unions operate. So back in my, in my early years, I would lead my boards to believe, because I believed it, that yes, we are a financial institution, but first and foremost, we're in the people business. And so I believe today, Doug, that, that credit unions still are. And so some would call me old fashioned, but I still believe that understanding the why of your business, whether you're a credit union or some other organization, is really important to getting the buy-in and the support of your members, of your community, of your board. So to me, that still applies. And I hope that as our, our credit union industry grows and continues to develop, that we will hang on to that because I don't care how large you are. That's important, in my opinion. That's all the insider credit union knowledge we have for this episode. Can't wait for the next episode? We're always available through our website at act-advisors.com. That's act-advisors.com. See you next time and see you on the show. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual security. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly.